Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. And I'm Eddie Quinones. And I'm going to toss this one back right to Nate because he has an announcement to make. Yeah, so we are starting to wind down the season, of course, with this week being our semifinals. Next week's episode, we're going to be kind of prepping for the championship, and then we'll have one more episode after the championship is over to close out our season. But next week, we would like to have, and of course, we don't know who these people are going to be, but we would like to have the winners of each semifinals matchup this week on the podcast with us to kind of preview the championship. I think it would be fun to do, fun to bring whoever those two guys might be together to talk about... um, you know, their season, reflect, but also look ahead to the championship matchup. So, Eddie, you on board with that? Oh, for sure. For sure. Cool. And I <clears throat> I officially reached out to Nick, Damon, and Scott. And Nick said that he would be cool with that if he won. Damon basically told me that he has an answer for me, but he doesn't want to say his answer because he doesn't want to jinx this week. So we basically know what his answer is, that he would be willing to do it. Haven't heard from Scott, but I can't imagine that he wouldn't be willing to come on. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, we'll get at least one new voice or, you know, if if Nick upsets me. Yeah, I guess either way, we'll get one new voice because we're going to get one of Scott or Damon on. So, yep. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Let's get into uh, the Fantasy Awards, the final edition of the Fantasy Awards. Uh, let me quickly recap what we have received so far for you know the, the awards that we've announced in the last few episodes. So, of course, we have Most Valuable Manager, who, to quickly recap these, adds the most value to the league, according to everyone's nomination. We had Eddie win that. Worst trade offer. Again, all of these were unique, but we kind of came to the consensus that Tom Brady for Alvin Kamara was the worst trade offer that was submitted for this segment, for this award. Best trader, um, the manager who struck the best balance of quantity and quality in their trades this season. Uh, I won that award. That was a pretty, pretty tight uh, vote compared to some of the others. Best negotiator, Scott won that award, and he won it in kind of a landslide because nobody else got more than one vote. And that brings us to our final two awards, which are the first is best candidate for comeback manager of the year next season. So that would be which of our teams that people felt disappointed this year, but we expect them to be a title contender next year. Those receiving votes or nominations for this award included Sean, who had two votes, Michael, who had one vote, Lucas, who had two votes, and Kyron, who had one vote. But our winner is, with five votes, and we're going to do a hypothetical drum roll because Eddie's, you know, his drum roll cuts in and out. With five votes, Jake is our best candidate for comeback manager of the year next season. Eddie, I see here that you and I both nominated Jake for this award. Do you have anything to add for why you feel this way? I mean, I feel like it was, uh, I wouldn't say it was the easiest pick, but I feel like the spacing between him and some of the other other choices, I think it's pretty obvious. The reasoning 
honestly, my main reason is him being snubbed there at the end, thinking he was in the playoffs. And then the morning of uh, everything shifting over to the following week, him not being in. Um, I think that was kind of one of the biggest reasons. And if you look at his team this week and how they performed, they would have beat everyone in the playoffs that played last week. Um, so, yeah, I just I know Jake's going to come back hungry uh, for that title and for some playoffs just because he, you know, he got uh, he got snubbed a bit this year. So, yeah, and. I completely agree with that. I would also comment that I think it was a true representation of the talent in our league um, that five out of our six eliminated playoff teams all received votes, and only one of them was a self-nomination that was Kyron <laughs> for himself. But even Kyron, I mean, in the first year that we had this league, he went all the way to the championship and took second place in our league. Lucas, you know, I, I know he hasn't had success in this league quite yet. I think he made playoffs in the first year, but I keep up with him in his other fantasy league. Yes, I guess nobody cares about other people's fantasy leagues, but I try to keep engaged with him because he's doing well in his other league. And he tells me that he's moving on to the semifinals in that league. And that league's even more financially competitive than this league because I think he, he shared that their buy-in is like $100. So if he's competing in leagues like that, we already know the track records of Sean and Michael as fantasy players who have made playoffs. I've played with them in multiple leagues over multiple years. They're usually in the playoff hunt every single league, every single year. So I know the caliber that they are. Um, So I just want to say, I think it's a true representation of the talent in our league. And hopefully we find, you know, that 12th man, the replacement for Keegan, that's, you know, just as good, if not better than all these guys so that we continue to, improve on our competitiveness as a league let's uh you know conclude here with the last award which i think i i was trying to make it kind of like an all encapsulate all encapsulating award best manager so who was the best plain and simple tried to keep the criteria loose um because if you i guess if i narrowed it in a little more than I did, maybe you could just easily say, okay, it's the first place team, or maybe you would say somebody that was in first place the longest throughout the season, but I just tried to kind of leave it slightly open to interpretation. Um, so let me just share the results. We had three people get nominations for this award. Uh, the first one was Kyron, who nominated himself and got one vote. <laughs> <laughs> and the second two, this was, this was pretty close. Um, Scott and myself were both nominated and the winner received six votes and the second place person got four votes. And the winner is me. And I want to, and I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to build that up to be like some crazy thing, but it was, it was, it, it, I did, but it was, <laughs> it was the closest vote that we got for yeah. all of the awards. So I, you know, I thought that was really interesting. And there was a certain point where I was taking people's nominations where it was, I had four votes, Scott had four, four votes. And that's why I was trying to press everybody to vote, right. Yeah. Get everybody to participate. And in full transparency, I've before, um, I think I put my votes in like second out of everybody. And I voted for Scott Scott was my vote for this award. 
Um, I think that he's done a phenomenal job. Michael described it best that he said, I'm not trying to be biased, but my uncle, this is his second year playing any type of fantasy football. This is his first year playing in this format specifically. He was the only person in the league to get 10 wins in the regular season and capture that one seed. So just a phenomenal job. Um, so my full round of applause to Scott, even though a few more people chose me to nominate. I did want to share from Scott um, an interesting note that highlights somebody else that wasn't nominated at all for this award. So when he texted me with his nominations, he said, and, and I'm, I'm just reading this word by word, he said, side note, there are a few things that came to mind for me. Although I know that this award is a collective of the entire season, there is one moment in my decision that I don't want to look past, and that is Jake taking the news in grace, thinking he was in the playoffs to find out the next morning that he wasn't. I just wanted to relay that because I thought you were the best all year, but Jake was one hell of a team player. So I did want to share that because that is 100% true, and Jake made it a lot easier on both Eddie and myself. Um kind of looking out for the best interest of the league and not giving anybody any trouble or fighting back with the way that that playoff confusion shook out. So props to Scott for being a great manager this year, but as Scott shared props to Jake for being a great team player, anything to add in closing for our fantasy awards, Eddie. I agree. Um, Obviously I I voted for you, um, but Scott was a very close second for me. I just kind of looked at the entirety of the league in the year. Um, Scott kind of held the top of the league the entire year as to where you kind of surprisingly, I wouldn't want to say worked your way from the bottom, but from the bottom middle of the pack, you know what I'm saying? From, from that area kind of clawed your way back into playoff contention. And now I think it's pretty obvious. You're probably the favorite um, coming into the playoffs. So, So I think that's what kind of, kind of did it for me right there. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you two end up facing each other in the final, it'll be a really good matchup. It's going to be um, anybody's game. Yeah. Um, but again, don't honestly, count out anyone who, I was just about to get there. I was just about to get there because I don't want to disrespect them. Yeah. Because um, I messaged Damon immediately, not immediately, uh, I think it was earlier this morning, um, and told him, you know, congratulations on your win. I was like, much deserved, and go get that championship. Um because, you know, anyone that loses in the semifinals or in the playoffs wants the person who beats them to win it all. Yeah. Makes, it, it, makes, normally, it, looks, it, makes yeah. it slightly less yeah. painful to know that you got <laughs> beat by the champ. You know? Exactly. Um, so, yeah. I think just in general, I think everyone's pretty competitive in the playoffs, but I think it'll be really good. Sure. All right. So let's get into our abbreviated prior week recap. I guess it's not too abbreviated because we typically talk about biggest upset and most shocking outcome. Well, this week, we're just going to plainly talk about each one of our quarterfinals matchups. So my matchup with JC, the final score was 186.3 to JC's 117.42. Eddie, I'll let you kind of take the wheel here and Talk about anything that you would like to share about this matchup. I think I think most of us had an idea of kind of what way this this matchup was going to go. Not saying anything against JC's team. It's just JC's team is very buster boom. Um, and we, we saw that this week. You know, his his team, you know, busted metaphorically. Um, and it just wasn't it wasn't a very good outing for him. But then again, your team put up a really good performance. 
I mean, you got 186 points. Um, so I think overall, I think it was just a bad matchup for JC coming into the playoffs. Um, his team, while they were a really good team and a solid team, I'm not sure if his team would have been 100%, I don't want to say 100% playoff ready. And I think everyone kind of gets where that's going when you're looking at kind of the other lineups in the playoffs. Um, just not sure if his team was consistent enough to hold that spot. Um, but again, I give my hats off to JC. He did really well this year. Um, you know, he did make a couple trades this year, so it was, uh, it was a little bit surprising. Um, but, you know, I hope he comes back next year with that fire and wants to kind of work his way back into the playoffs and, and get in there. So, yeah. And I know that he will, cause JC, while he's not a trader, he does love fantasy. Yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent over this entire calendar year, whether it was fantasy baseball or fantasy football, just having like super late night conversations with him. So while the trading might not be there in terms of like how often he trades, definitely don't underestimate JC's passion. So I expect him to be back next year with a full expectation of making playoffs again, but also getting a playoff win next year. My thoughts on this matchup were that, or was that the, the outcome was pretty expected. I think both teams lived up to the expectations that the league at large had for them. As JC shared with me on Sunday, he, you know, he shared that the only shot he felt that he had at beating me was if a solid four to five guys on his team absolutely exploded. Yeah. Um, but that didn't nearly happen, of course, as you can tell from his final point total. Uh, funny thing that... So so this conversation between he and I happened at like 4.15 p.m. on Sunday. Like he just, he texted me, GG. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? The, the one o'clock games aren't even over yet. And then I go and check the score and I already have the entire matchup locked up. I got the win locked up on him. At that point, I thought about benching Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Pittsburgh's defense, you know, on Sunday afternoon after I officially locked up the win. But I kind of decided to run up the score a little bit to try to strike <laughs> fear into, into my upcoming opponent and hopefully opponents. Uh, so the one player I, I will note that I was unhappy with during this week's matchup was Terry McLaurin, who had a bad game for a second week in a row. I'm not starting him with absolute con I'm not starting him with the absolute confidence that I've had in him all season, but he's definitely still going to be a starter for me. Nonetheless, over Tyler Boyd, Mark Andrews and late bloomer P.Y. Hilton, who has been putting up some crazy numbers lately himself. I just thought, you know, throw a little bit of analysis from my team moving forward in there. I'll say this right here with uh, McLaurin, the quarterback situation in Washington's kind of changing up a little bit. So that'll be interesting to yeah. see how that plays out. It makes me nervous, but yeah. I did I did see that I didn't perform this research. Somebody else did, so I don't want to take credit for it. But in games that Dwayne Haskins has started, Terry McLaurin is averaging over 18 points per game. So even with the worst quarterback, that's reassuring. On the team, yeah, that's reassuring. Yeah, it's it's nice to see that Terry McLaurin has put up numbers. I just think that there can't be a changing of the guard in the middle of the game. I think yeah, that's when not. he has bad games. I guess he had a bad game the week before last too. So just hopefully he breaks out of his slump. Yeah, we'll see. Let's move on to the more exciting and unexpected, I should say, I guess. Um, we knew it was going to be close, right? But I don't think that this matchup played out in the way that anybody expected in terms of the, you know, the total point totals from each team. So 
Moving into Eddie versus Damon on that side of the bracket, the final score was Damon 151.08 to Eddie's 135.58. Eddie, again, I'll let you kind of lead off, share your thoughts here. I want to give props to Damon. I mean, his team showed up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my team didn't really play a very good game. Debo got hurt in the very first play. Um, my running backs just didn't do a good enough job of getting points. Um, I will never, as long as Adams is on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, I will never take Aaron Jones again in my life. They are at the one yard line. And instead of handing the ball off, they just throw it up. I mean, they're scoring touchdowns, which I get it, but give me some love. Just hand the ball off to Aaron Jones. Come on. Like, yeah, that's it a hurts. Yeah, it hurts. So, I mean, even if I would have adjusted my lineup and put my highest scores in, I was going to lose by at least, I think it was like three or four points. Um, you know, just an underperformance. I haven't scored this low probably in about five weeks, six weeks, I want to say. So it was, it was heart wrenching. It was, but, uh, Kind of took it for how it was, and I know Damon has a pretty good team, so I hope he kind of pushes it out. Uh, yeah, again, I think that's it's just super unlucky timing for your team to kind of fall flat. Like it yeah. could have could have been last week, and you would have been fine, right? Because you you mm-hmm. lost anyway, even though it was only by a point to Jake. You know why couldn't your team fall flat last week? Whereas if you had last week's point total this week, you would have taking the win from Damon. So it's just super unlucky. But as opposed to the first matchup, I think, like I already mentioned, this was the unexpected outcome of the two matchups. The way I saw it, and I'm not trying to say that there was no shot Damon would win, but the way that I saw it, the expectation was that this would be a high-scoring matchup where it would be about which team could outgun the other. Instead, it was kind of a pea shooting contest where Damon was able to squeak his way past Eddie with like, a, you know, I would call it a league average performance right around 150 points. The irony is that we spent a lot of time on last week's episode talking about, you know, your team, Eddie, your high floor, but the inability to bring that key characteristic to the table this week was what killed your team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nonetheless, it's always hard getting eliminated from playoffs and you were a good sport about the trolling that you received from a few from the few of us <laughs> <laughs> right after Josh Allen threw that second Through touchdown that, pass. Yeah. So I did want to, you know, take a moment to say you you did a great job this year. And in my mind, you've clearly established yourself as a perennial title contender, even if you haven't. I want to preface this, and I'm not saying this as a dig, because I want to explain myself. I know that you have yet to get a playoff win in our league. But I still, in my mind, based on the way that you've changed your management tendencies this year, that now, again, to me, catapults you up to the top three to four owners in the league as a guy that I think it doesn't matter what what his team's looking like coming out of the draft. It doesn't matter who's going to get hurt throughout the year. Eddie's going to be there at the end of the season in the playoffs, and he's going to have one of the best teams. That's what my expectation is moving forward. So I did want to share that with you. I think you did a great job. And I expect that to continue moving forward in future years. And I'll say this, just to throw it out there, you know, obviously this year was a, a little bit of a disappointment here at the end, but overall I'm actually pretty happy with how everything turned out. Um, since the creation of this league, I have not made the playoffs. This was my first year making playoffs. Um, 
And obviously to go out like this with such a good team, I felt like I had to go out like this, it hurts. But I know that, you know, the strategy that I had this year, it worked for the most part. Obviously I got unlucky with some injuries and you can't really do anything about that. But, you know, my strategy and how I managed my team and kind of went through the year, you know, it worked. And it's something that I can stick on and still improve. Um, but it, it's kind of exciting for me kind of moving forward because I kind of I want making playoffs to be my floor. And, yep. you know, I want to be contending for the title every year. So, yeah, and I agree with that. And it kind of goes back to a motto that I've picked up on recently, which is trust the process regardless of the results. And I think that you had a good process this year. I think it's a process that'll get you to the playoffs way more often than it doesn't. So that's my expectation. But getting back to the matchup and kind of closing this out, big congrats to Damon, like you mentioned, whose team I think has been underestimated even by me all year long. But now, you know, you mentioned it right before we started recording. I think he has a legitimate shot at advancing to the finals this year. I know Scott has a really tough team, but... Damon's team is starting to kind of like he put up 150, which is a pretty good floor, even without big games from Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So I don't think that, that, you know, by any means, it's a foregone conclusion that Scott is advancing to the finals. So I'm excited to watch this matchup between those two this week. Let me transition into, I guess, then officially sharing that our semifinals matchups for this week are Scott, the one seed, the helmet in the bush, who has a 10-3 and three record. Of course, he had a bye last week. Versus Damon, the four seed, Odell's a number two receiver, who cumulatively, and I'm including his win over Eddie this past week in the playoffs, has a 9-5 and five record. The second semifinals matchup is between myself, the 99 club, and of course, I have the same cumulative record as Damon, after my win over JC in the playoffs this week, nine and five. And I'm playing the number two seed, Nick, the fantasy football team, who also had a bye last week. So his cumulative record is nine and four. So, you know, starting to talk about what's ahead this coming week, who would you consider Eddie to be the, the favorite in each one of these two matchups? I'd say. And I don't want Nick to get salty about this, but I'd say you're the favorite, I think, in your matchup. Um, and it's just that simple. I'm not really going to go into it. I think it's it's kind of when you look at the teams and the performances recently, it's it's a little more obvious. Um, the Scott and Damon one, that one's a little tough for me to choose. Um, not really 100% sure. I'd probably say Scott's the favorite just because he's consistently – held his spot and done his thing all year while Damon has bounced around a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, I'd go yourself with your matchup and then Scott with his matchup. Yeah. And I would agree with both of those, although I'm in the same spot as you with Scott and Damon's matchup that it's really close, but I have to give the benefit of the doubt in the edge to Scott who, who got to the one seed, not by accident. So I have to give him the benefit of the doubt there, but Damon is certainly nipping at his heels. Um, and then, like you said, with, with mine and Nick's matchup, it's looking like Christian McCaffrey is not going to play. So I think it's not really anything. Can, let me preface this. Anything can happen in fantasy. It's not completely impossible that Nick could win without Christian McCaffrey. 
But in terms of analysis, predicting expected outcomes in conversations along those lines, it's not really even a discussion who's the favorite between Nick and I if Christian McCaffrey does not play. Where things would become interesting is if he did play because he's the type of player that can drop 35 points and it not be abnormal in any way. Um, so as of right now, the way that things stand where he's expected to not play, I think I'm the pretty clear favorite. Um, but let's move forward in our discussion. Which matchup do you expect to be closer out of the two? I think it's Scott's and Damon's. Um... I think just overall, both of these teams, their boom, I think would be very similar. Um, and so is their bust. Whereas your matchup with Nick, your boom is in 210 to 220. And I think Nick's boom is at about 190. Um, so even with that being said, I, I do think that Scott and Damon's matchup is most likely going to be the closer matchup. Yeah, and again, I would agree. This is going to sound a little redundant, but I think I think the lines are a little bit more blurred for that first matchup between Scott and Damon. Mm-hmm. Um, again, anything could happen in fantasy, but this is the one that if you had to put your own money on it, uh, there's one matchup out of these two that would be hard to to bet in confidence, right? So I would also expect Scott and Damon's to be closer because... I think both of their teams are a little bit more volatile than Nick and I's teams. Like, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of see the difference between my team and Nick's team without Christian McCaffrey because Nick's team's actually been pretty consistent over the past four to five to six weeks. He puts up around 150 to 160 every week. But then on the same, you know, in the same manner, my team has been pretty consistent. I've been putting up around what, 165 to 175. Mm-hmm. So where you see consistency and you kind of see time and time again, there's just the slight edge to my roster. I think it's easier to predict or have an expectation of what might happen. I think Scott and Damon's teams both have been up and down over the past month where Scott has had a few bad games himself, but that he kind of, I think he got, and I'm just speaking off the top of my head here because I can't remember what his exact matchups were, but I think he got a few soft matchups to end the year that he got a few wins on where he scored, I don't know, 125, 130 points. He still had his regular weeks where he put up 160, 170, but they were kind of sauced in with some of those underperforming weeks. So long story short, you see a little bit of volatility and even Scott's team is the number one seed. We know that Damon's team has been a little volatile with some weeks being in the 130s, some weeks being in the 180s. So I think just based on the nature of both of those teams being a little bit more volatile, that um, it blurs the lines and naturally the the matchup with the blurred lines you would expect to be closer. I hope that I kind of a lot to just explain the simple point that I would expect Scott and Damon to be closer, but hopefully (laughs) I painted a semi-clear picture of why. I would expect them to be closer as opposed to me and Nick. Yeah. Okay. So maybe this last question after we've already talked through our beliefs on these two matchups is unnecessary, but just in case you have a different idea than I do, which matchup do you think is more likely to see an upset? I think it's your matchup with Nick. Um, Like we just said, Scott and Damon's matchup is so close. Now, if you want to go in terms of seeding, yes, you go with the Damon and Scott matchup 
entirely because of the seeding. But now if you want to break it down a little bit, you know, you look at the points for for the both of these teams, it's about 50 points of a difference, which really isn't a whole lot, a whole season's worth. Um, they're very close teams, and I think it's just a more of an even matchup. Now, if we look on the other end, you versus Nick, you look at the points for totals, you have about 130 more points on the year than Nick. It's about a, that's a that's a week practically um, with a low floor. You know what I'm saying um, with the team. So I think right there, just because of that difference in score, you know, Nick does have a chance for his team to do really well and your team to just kind of do subpar I mean, and him beat you. Um, so to me right there, just because if you break down the numbers and you kind of look into it, if how the teams have been throughout the year. I think that Nick beating you would be more of a matchup if you take seating completely out of this. Sure. I would actually go on the opposite side of that because I, like we both shared earlier, I do technically still consider Scott to be the favorite in this matchup and win from Damon by that definition would be an upset. And I would see a win from Damon more likely than a win coming from Nick this week. As of right now, you know, with Christian McCaffrey out, I think, I think we'll talk about it a little bit later in the episode, but if I haven't already made it clear, I think that it's a lot more of an anybody's game type of matchup if CMC does play. But again, we'll cover that a little bit later. So yeah, and I guess I think, that's what I guess that's kind of why I went towards the idea of your matchup with Nick being more of the of the upset. I don't necessarily see one of Damon or Scott winning as an update upset even if if Dan right. won it'd be a little bit of an upset but i think if nick were to beat you i think that's a lot bigger of an upset it would it would surprise a lot of people yeah 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 i see what you're saying okay so let's uh you know normally i toss it to you here with the around the league segment but i'm actually going to start incorporating our league bet standings that only four of us participated in this past week hopefully we get a few more people this week you're actually going to see from the point totals that I share that it is not too late for anybody that hasn't yet participated to jump in. You could still accumulate double the points of somebody else in one week. Um, so please jump in and participate. It just makes for you know something that's a little bit of an little bit engaging for those of us that are not in playoffs, and even even for me, for Nick, I'm sure it's a lot of fun because. You know, we're in playoffs, but I still have fun picking against these spreads, you know, these player props, whatever. And if you have a question about what this is that I'm talking about, please feel free to text Jake or myself because I don't want to go into the five minute explanation of what it is <laughs> on the air here. So I'm just going to share the update in first place after the first week of betting is myself with seven points. The five bets that I made were myself as a 31 point favorite of course i beat jc by i think it was like nearly 70 so i hit on that one that's plus one i made a parlay of jc scoring under 150 points and my matchup with jc being under 331 total points i hit on that parlay so that's plus two I made a parlay bet of Kareem Hunt going over 11.1 points and Devontae Booker scoring under 13.2 points. I kind of assumed that Devontae Booker was not going to be playing when I saw that Josh Jacobs, his projection went up a little bit. So that was kind of my premise for that bet. I hit on that plus two. This is my big one, and I unfortunately missed. I went with a parlay of Damon scoring over 160 points. That individual bet was a miss. 
Robbie Anderson going over 13.9. I believe he did score over 13.9, but of course it's a parlay, so I still missed. And Wayne Gallman scoring over 12.8. I also missed on that. So that was my miss. Um, would have liked to have that one because I would have been plus three, but nonetheless, my last bet was a parlay of Damon being a 13-point underdog and covering and Aaron Jones scoring under 18.8 points, and I hit on that. So I got a total of seven points. In second place, we have Nick, who scored five points this week. His first bet was Damon covering at plus 13 as the underdog. He hit on that. His second bet was Damon scoring over 160 points. He missed on that. Third bet was a parlay of Justin Jefferson over 16.6 points, which of course was a miss individually, and Robbie Anderson over 13.9 points. So the Justin Jefferson miss caused the entire parlay to miss. His fourth bet was a parlay of Devontae Booker under 13.2 and Julio Jones under 17.2. That was a savvy bet by Nick because Julio Jones was out and Devontae Booker was the backup because Josh Jacobs was active. So he hit on that. And then the last parlay that Nick made, last bet that Nick made was a parlay. Cooper Cup under 15.1 points and Dalvin Cook under 21.4. He hit on that. So that would be five points for Nick. Jake and you, Eddie, both tied for three points. You guys both made the bet that I would cover a win by 31 points and both hit on that. Trying to look for anything else that you guys both made. There were no other similar bets. Jake also made the bet of over 160 points for Damon. He missed on that. He made the same parlay that Nick made with Justin Jefferson over 16.6 points and Robbie Anderson over 13.9. He also missed on that. He hit on a parlay of me versus JC scoring under 331 total points and Kyler Murray scoring under 20.4 points. But then he missed on his mat his matchup bet between you and Damon going over 333. So three points for Jake in your other bets, which by the way, you only made four bets. You know you can make five. Just a future heads up. Yeah. Eddie versus Damon, you bet on your matchup going under 333 points, and you hit on that. You bet on JC and I's matchup going over 331. You missed on that one. And you bet on your team scoring under 173. You hit on that. So you have ended the week with three points as well. Like I said, if you want to jump in, it's not too late. Um, you could have a huge week and score 10 or 12 points. And somebody else could have a terrible week and miss on every single bet. So please jump in. Um, a free snack or a free drink on me is on the line for our draft next season. If you have any questions, text me or Jake about it. Eddie, I'm going to toss it to you for Fantasy Over Under. All righty. This week for Fantasy Over Under, uh, let's go over the records real quick. I'm at 8 and 14. Absolutely horrible. Nate is at 12 and 13. Uh, and Jake is at an 0 and 1. Yeah. And I, we just, just as a side note, we actually only had one valid Over Under last week because, of course, we did one on the matchup between Eddie and Jake that didn't actually happen. So mm -hmm. that one was kind of like a no contest. Just yeah. for context. Um, but yeah, let's jump right into it. On the very first one, we have Damon's team. Odell's a number two receiver over under of 155. What do you got? I have the over there. Um, Damon, I know that he didn't hit over this amount last week, but there's no reason for me not to expect 
this to be a high scoring matchup. It was, and then it was a matchup where Damon eclipsed the 150 mark this past week without really getting much from Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson. I wouldn't expect both of those guys to come up flat yet again. So I am going to expect that he makes up that extra four points that he would have needed this past week to eclipse that 155 mark in this week's matchup with Scott. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take the over here. Um, You know, 155 is a place for me where, you know, his team over the past three or four weeks has been sitting around that 155-ish mark. Um, So I thought it was a pretty good spot to put it. But I think, you know, his team, again, like you said, even when they don't have great games, they're still putting up about 150 to 155. So, you know, I think I think I see his team hitting the over this upcoming week. Um, On this next one, we have the 99 club, which is your team over under 175. We got. Yeah, I got the over here. Um, if for nothing else, because I am willing it on my team to score over 175 points, but I think, how can I explain this? When I see, I've, I've started to panic less when I start to see bad games unfold for some of my individual players in my starting lineup, because, and I, I don't, I don't mean this in any way as like a brag, but just kind of like in my breakdown of my bet here. I just have so many heavy-hitting fantasy superstars in my lineup that, say, DeAndre Hopkins has a bad game for his standards and scores 9.8 points. I don't really have to worry too much because Devontae Adams is going to score around 30 points every single week. Or if Kareem Hunt puts up 6.2 points, well, usually Nick Nick Chubb is scoring 22.3. So basically what I'm getting at is when I do have a bad game from one or two of my players – the way that it's worked out basically every single week up until this point is that one or two or three other guys have picked up the slack in a major way. And so that threat of me having a really bad week as a total team isn't like, I kind of think that my lineup is foolproof from that. Um, 175 is still a tall task to meet, but I don't really expect more than maybe one or two players to have a bad game this week. So that's why I picked the over. I'm actually going to go with the under here. I think your team has been consistently putting these points up close to 170, 180, 190 for a few weeks now. Um, And especially with some of these teams kind of already in the playoffs and stuff like that. And some of those teams holding down playoff spots um, might see, I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a regression this week. Do I still think you're going to put up 160, 165? Most likely. Um, but I don't know. I'm going with the under here. I'm going to take the uh, the under on this one. And I don't blame you for doing that because I did stop to think about it. I'm not confident, take my money to the bank, that I'll score over 175. I'm yeah. just kind of going off of recent performance here. Yeah. So Makes sense. Yes, sir. And then on my final over-under, we have Alvin Kamara over-under 20 versus Kansas City's 21st-ranked fantasy team against the run uh, defense. I have the under here, one, because Alvin Kamara is not a bell cow rushing running back, and two, because I expect Taysom Hill to make one more start at quarterback, and Alvin Kamara has not been Alvin Kamara while Taysom Hill is under center. 
I'm going to go with the over here. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara, again, has been trending upward over the past three weeks. Had a bad performance, had an okay performance a couple weeks ago. And then this past week, he had a pretty good performance. He had 22 points. Um, I think Taysom Hill got away with not using Alvin as much those first couple weeks. And then this week, they kind of ran into a problem. Obviously, even using Alvin a little bit more this week didn't really help him out too much just because of the fact that he was making his own mistakes. Um, but I think he'll trust Alvin Kamara a little bit more this upcoming week and kind of give him the ball a little bit more. So I'm going to go with the over on that. Yeah, and funny to note that they actually lost for the first time with Taysom Hill yeah. under center to the Eagles of all teams. The Eagles. Put some respect on the NFC East. Uh, just a little a few bit more to see. Not yeah, a lot. They just a little bit. It. They do have the. <laughs> they do have one of the wins over the Steelers, so I respect yeah. them a little bit. They got. They got that. Oh, one thing that I did want to say earlier, but I didn't really get to it. You know, although I lost my matchup, my night was made when the Steelers lost. Obviously, they're still a good team. They're eleven and two, but just seeing the Steelers lose, something about it just makes me happy inside. So that's all I wanted to say. You know, I was also thinking that when. I think maybe me, Lucas, and JC all chimed in at the in the chat when you went down to Damon in the playoffs. I was thinking, hmm, now Eddie must know what it feels like for people to prey on the downfall of his success, like he and Kyron do every single every week for the week, Steelers. Every week. But, but it's now okay, you can, though. Now you have a little bit of a taste of your own medicine. Oh, I've always had that taste of medicine <laughs> before. Trust me, it ain't no biggie. Especially in the fantasy basketball league, eighteen and one, reclaimed champion here. Just whenever you guys want to take it over, you you can try. But basketball, uh, yes, I just want to throw that out there. Well, I'm not sure how many people in this league will be impressed with that, but let's uh, let's move on to. I'm excited this week because I I tried to change it up with this segment, player A or player B, and uh, let's just get into it so I can kind of show you how I changed it slightly. The first comparison is normal. Um, again, these are players from teams that are still in the playoffs. So either from my team, Nick's team, Damon's team, or Scott's team. So maybe that narrows it down a little too much. Maybe you'll be able to guess who these guys are, but I thought it would be interesting to compare players across teams that are still in it. Player A, and I should say that this first pair is wide receivers. Hmm. Player A has averaged six receptions on nine targets or 77 yards. This player has scored three touchdowns on the season and holds a weekly average of 14.8 fantasy points per game. In the last four weeks, this wide receiver has scored a total of 37.4 points for an average over that span of 9.4 points per game. Player B has averaged six receptions on eight targets for 50 yards and a touchdown. This player has scored seven touchdowns on the season and holds a weekly average of 14.5 fantasy points per game. In the last four weeks, this wide receiver has scored a total of 50.9 points for an average over that span of 12.7 points per game. Need anything repeated? Nope. Which receiver would you rather have, player A or player B? With recency bias... I think you'd obviously want to say B, but again, I'm going to stick to my motto here and go with A just because it's been able to do a little bit more with its targets. Um, doesn't have as many touchdowns, 
which is okay with me for the for the time being. Um, if you're looking at a, an entire season, um, as long as they're kind of bringing in the yardage and stuff like that, because these are both relatively low scoring wide receivers for the entire season in general is what I'm going for with the stat comparisons. I think B is probably scoring a little bit higher uh, throughout the entire season just because of, you know, these past four games. Um, but I'll go, I'm going to go with A, getting, you know, making the most out of those targets. So you were pretty spot on with the exception of player A is actually the higher scoring wide receiver on the season. He is wide receiver 16 on the year mm-hmm. compared to wide receiver B, which he is wide receiver 19 on the year. Okay. You have... This is a pretty tough one because yeah. I tried not to take the obvious studs. Which do you do you know which is which, or do you have a guess for either one of them who they might be? I don't have a clue. I'm trying to think. Okay, I can share unless you want yeah. to want me to give you a sec. Nah, go ahead and share it. It's gonna take me a little bit. Okay, so the wide receiver that you did not choose, player B, is Juju Smith Schuster. Okay. Of course, he's on Nick's team. Yeah. Would that? Would it narrow it down for me to tell you that player A is in the same matchup this week? A little bit. All right, hold on. I gotta I gotta think of your team right now. Um McLaurin? Yes, it is. It's yeah. Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Terry McLaurin you know and Juju Smith Schuster. I thought of McLaurin at first before you said anything, and I was like, I don't think so. He's been doing pretty well this entire year. He was doing great up until the last two games. He's been a top 10 wide receiver all season long until his last two games where he's fallen outside of the top 15. So hasn't been too hot lately. Yeah. This next, this next group, this is what I'm excited for. So what I'm going to do is I have player A and player B who are starting quarterbacks on, you know, two of our four playoff teams. Okay. But they're not in a good way, and you'll figure out why. Players C, D, and E, so I included three more players, of course the same position, quarterback, are free agents, or I should say they're on waivers right now. Hmm. After I give you player A and player B, I want you to pick between those two, and then after you make that selection, I'm going to actually bring in the other three players that are on waivers to see if you'd actually rather have one of those guys than one or both of the quarterbacks that are currently owned by playoff teams. Okay. Okay. So player a is averaging 282 passing yards with one passing touchdown and one interception per game while also averaging six rushing yards on two carries per game. So you can tell he's a rushing quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This player has a 19 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio and has averaged 16.3 fantasy points per game on the season. Okay. In his last three games, this quarterback has scored a total of 34.1 points for an average over that span of 11.4 points per game. Scrub. Player B is averaging 223 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and one interception per game, while also averaging 22 rushing yards on three carries per game. This player has a 13 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio and has averaged 15.2 fantasy points per game on the season. In his last three games, this quarterback has scored a total of 56.9 points for an average over that span of 19 points per game. Which quarterback would you rather have, player A or player B? 
I actually, I like B here. Obviously, recency bias, he's been doing pretty well recently, but I think it's the the interception to touchdown ratio, that 19 to 11, um, and kind of that spacing on player B, you know, having a low amount of interceptions. Not great with the touchdowns, but it, it's a better ratio um, for my liking. So I'm going to take B here. Sure, and I would agree with you. Do you have any, so first of all, do you know, which if you had to take a guess and I'm telling you that these are owned quarterbacks across our four fantasy playoff teams. And we just saw recently, I don't know if anybody has checked, but Cam Newton was dropped by Nick. Mm -hmm. So that takes him out of the equation for owned quarterbacks across our playoff teams. Do you have a guess for which two quarterbacks these are? First one is Matty ice. It is Matt Ryan. Yep. Okay. Second one. Their own. This one might be a hard one because he kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of anybody else that might possibly be in this. I don't know who's the second one. It is Mitch Trubisky on Scott's team. Trubisky. Yeah. So, so you'd rather have Trubisky right now than Matt Ryan? I agree with you. As of and right I, now, yeah, but at the beginning yeah. of the season, you asked me, hey, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. People were drafting Matt Ryan as a low-end QB1, I think, yeah. back in draft season. So, yeah. But right now, I don't think there's much of a question that you would rather own Trubisky than Ryan if it yeah. were only those two that you were deciding between. I agree. Let me bring in three quarterbacks that are currently on the waiver wire that you know I want to just toss out there. Would you maybe rather have one of these guys over either Matt Ryan, Mitch Trubisky, or both of them. Player C, I'm not going to name them yet. Mm-hmm. Player C is averaging, and these stats are going to look ugly, okay? I'm just okay. preparing you. Averaging 181 passing yards with zero passing touchdowns and one interception per game, while also averaging 38 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown on nine carries per game. This player, this is the stat that I thought, ugh, yuck. This player has a five to ten touchdown to interception ratio on the season, and has, but he is still averaged sixteen point seven fantasy points per game on the year. In his last three games, however, this quarterback has scored a total of thirty one point nine points for an average over that span of ten point six points per game. Player D is averaging 254 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and one interception per game, while also averaging 18 rushing yards on three carries per game. This player has a 14-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio and has averaged 18.1 fantasy points per game on the season. In his last three games, this quarterback has scored a total of 50.5 points for an average over that span of 16.8 points per game. Last quarterback, player E, has averaged 242 passing yards with one passing touchdown and one interception per game, while also averaging 11 point, sorry, just 11 <laughs> rushing yards on four carries per game. This player has a 13 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio and has averaged 13.2 fantasy points per game on the season. But in his last three games, he has scored a total of 47.6 points for an average over that span of 15.9 
points per game. Now, this is a group of three, so if you want me to repeat something, please let me know. If not, I'm going to go. Which with, quarterback would you want? I'd go middle of pack there. Player uh, D? Yeah. I any, think. Any guess as to who that might be? What's the rushing stats? 18 rushing yards on three carries per game. Only three. Maybe. I think I know who you want to think it is, but it's, it's not, not who I you're know thinking who it's it not. is. I know who it isn't. You're he thinking that he it's averages, Dan- you, you he averages at first way it might too be, many turnovers. You thought at first that it might be Danny Dimes. I thought but, I, I had originally thought the first one you said was Daniel Jones, but then I thought about it and I was like, no, he's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking Drew Locke maybe for player E or player, 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 uh, player D. Player D, yeah. It was not Drew Locke, but Drew Locke was one of the three. Do you know which one he was? I'd go with the last one. He I is the okay. last one. Okay, I was about to say, I don't think Drew Locke is averaging five for ten here. Yeah, five touchdowns, ten interceptions yeah. on the season. Yeah. You think, do you have a guess for who that is? Whoo! Uh... <laughs> Stinky. But... I don't know, you threw averaging... me for a whirl because I thought... Originally, you said a touchdown or something like that. Zero zero passing touchdowns, one interception per game. However, and this is going to give it away, he has 11 rushing touchdowns on the season. This better give it away. 11 11 rushing touchdowns from a quarterback. Sitting that... Oh, mm, Taysom? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. See, that was my guess, but there's no way. I was like thinking, is his his touchdown to interception ratio that bad? It's that bad. <laughs> it is that bad. That's why it threw me off because I was like, I don't think his ratio is that bad. He's the one that you want from the sound of it. He's the one that you want least out of this group. Yeah, for sure. So do you have any guess as to who you want most? We still haven't covered that one yet. I'd go with the middle of the pack there, player D. Well, right, 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 right. But I'm yeah. saying, oh, do, you have Adam, a guess as, do you have a guess as to who that is? Which quarterback that's out there is the guy that owns those stats right now? Um, I'll give you a hint. He was in multiple trades this year. No clue. Gardner Minshew. Gardner mentioned pretty well for himself. Yeah. So that brings me to my last question for this segment, which I'm just going to say rank these five quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, I'm not in any, I'm not giving my order, but listing yeah. them Matt Ryan, Mitch Trubisky, Cam Newton, Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke. Obviously, Scott, Nick, and Damon have some decisions to make with their QB2. So, mm-hmm. what is your personal ranking of I'm these? I'm going guys? Minshew one. Over Trubisky. Yes. Okay. Trubisky two. Matt Ryan three. Drew okay. Locke four. Cam Newton five. Cam Newton just falling out of favor over yeah. these past few weeks. Yeah. I would go. Hmm. This is tough. One and, and two. It, was you hard, know. You know. It's. But... It's really. Really funny. Is you hear Cam Newton. You hear Matt Ryan among this group, but I'm having a really tough time deciding who's my one and who's my two out of Trubisky and Minshew. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I really had, funny. But... It's really funny. Yeah. Um, 
I would have to go Trubisky one. Minshew, like he's two, but I would say one A. It's pretty close. Yeah. I have to go Cam Newton three because of his rushing floor. I don't feel you don't feel good about any of these guys, right? You feel you feel all. okay about Trubisky and Minshew. You certainly I mean, don't I don't feel even good about feel I don't even feel good about Trubisky if I'm being honest. I'm just not a Trubisky fan, but okay. I think I think he's the type of quarterback though that gets you at least twelve to thirteen points. He's not like Matty Ice or I think Cam he gives Newton me, who drops five or less points. Certainly, he weeks. gives me Carson Wentz vibes, but just a little worse. Yeah, yeah. But I think that I, what I hate about Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, which maybe this is maybe this is weird because I rank them both ahead of Drew Locke, but there's just some weeks where they'll give you less than five points, and you cannot have that from a quarterback can't yeah no way um but i have trubisky one gardner Minshew very close second cam newton three because of his rushing floor matt ryan four just based on track record and i think that julio jones is going to be on the field with calvin ridley this sunday and he has traditionally done well when he has both of those guys yeah and then drew lock five i think that he's just he can have he can have really good games, but I think he's way, 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 way too volatile for me to start him with any kind of confidence. Yeah. Um, so that's how I would rank them. You just disagreed with I think you put Cam last. I put Cam last. I put, you put Matt Ryan fourth and Drew. And you Locke put Minshew over Trubisky. Yeah. Okay. So same general vicinity. We have Trubisky and Minshew one and two. You where we disagree is Cam Newton and Drew Locke, yeah. basically. But you know, it's all a matter of taste. Okay, let's uh, quickly talk about transaction of the week. Did you have one? So I actually did have one. Um, didn't really help this person out too much, but I thought it was a pretty good ad. It was JC adding Gus Edwards. Gus had 18 points. Um, it's pretty good for someone you're picking up off the of waivers, to be honest. Um, Gus Edwards has done pretty well the past two weeks. Nothing great. Um but sometimes good enough. So he did have 18 points. It was a good ad for JC. Just at the end of the day, it didn't really do too much for him, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm pausing here because I'm looking at the the recent activity, and Nick has dropped Sterling Shepard and Jordan Reed on top of the four drops that he already made tonight, which were... Jordan Aikens, tight end for the Houston Texans. Nobody's going to question that, right? Michael Gallup, Dallas wide receiver. Not that big of a deal. Cam Newton was kind of the first one that I raised my eyebrows at. I was like, wow, he's, you know, sacking up, finally dropping Cam Newton. He then dropped Hollywood Brown after that. And then since then, he's dropped Sterling Shepard, you know, wide receiver for the Giants, and Jordan Reed, tight end for the 49ers. So Nick is just he is shedding house. he is shedding <laughs> his entire bench right now. He is he dropped six players. So he has six open spots to fill through ads and waivers tomorrow. That's wow. I don't really there's nothing good or bad to say about that. I've just never really seen that from somebody that's in the And I, my thing is I'm guessing that he's really doing a deep dive into kind of what's available out there and what the floors are and what the ceilings are for some of those players. And he probably likes the ceiling for a lot of the players on the wire compared to what he has on his lineup. And he's hoping for, for kind of like one last shot. Hopefully they all hit their ceilings 
at the same time. Yeah. On the sure. So sure. I've just I've always taken the philosophy that unless it's a player that completely has no value at all, that you just keep them on your you team until them. waivers process. Because yeah. what if you what if your waivers don't go through? But Nick, I guess he's just I guess at this point it doesn't really matter to him because he's all in or all out for this week. So yeah. Um my transaction of the week, getting back to the segment, uh partially tooting my own horn. It was my ad of T.Y. Hilton. Um, so I had an open bench slot, and I saw that T.Y. Hilton's target share over each of his two previous games where he popped off seemed to support his recent increase in production. And he rewarded my flyer claim by putting up 25.6 points against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, over the last three weeks, T.Y. Hilton is averaging six receptions on eight targets for 92 two yards and a touchdown in each game. And that's not even the most impressive part. He scored a total of 68.7 points in the last three weeks, which gives him an average of 22.9 points per game over that span. And it actually went so far as during the first half of last night's Cleveland Baltimore game, Kareem Hunt wasn't doing so hot. I was actually considering, you know, until I saw him break out in the second half and have a huge game, actually considering or at least starting to go through the process of considering sitting Kareem Hunt and starting T.Y. Hilton just based on his recent production. I'm going to start Kareem Hunt. (laughs) Um, His second half kind of closed the door on that deliberation of should I start T.Y. Hilton? But there is something to be said that I actually partially sort of almost considered putting in to my lineup a guy that I just added last week. So I thought that that was worthy enough in my eyes to, to be my transaction of the week. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, close out the episode here with our news and notes. I mentioned earlier that we would talk about this. Here's our chance. Christian McCaffrey. um, It came out yesterday that the Panthers were hopeful that he would play on Saturday at green Bay. But then it came out today that head coach Matt Rule or Rule, not sure how to pronounce his last name, said that he doubted that Christian McCaffrey would play this weekend. My question, first question to you, Eddie, is the timing of this game, which it is on Saturday at 8.15 p.m., is that significant to Christian McCaffrey's chances of returning this week? I think so. Um, Having the, the game a day earlier, kind of messes with with his hopes right there just the fact that you know they'll be playing on saturday so he doesn't get kind of that extra day of rest after practice obviously they probably have it set up throughout the week where friday they're doing walkthroughs and nothing crazy kind of going into it but i think it, it kind of take it takes away from how much you can see from him throughout the whole week and really digest how he's feeling and how he's doing and be confident to make that decision by saturday um so i think the timing is an issue for him yeah that's you bring up a good point there. Do you think ultimately that despite what you just said that he will return? Considering the Panthers aren't really going anywhere this year, I don't think they're going to rush him back at any point. Um, there's really no need to rush him back, to be honest. Uh, so most likely not. They're probably just going to want to hold him off and make sure he's completely healthy. So when he, you know, when when Panthers come back around next year, there aren't really any any issues with him. So. Okay, so that brings me to my last question about Christian McCaffrey. Is he the make-it-or-break-it factor of Nick and I's matchup this week? I think with all his drops, yes. With him dropping all these players and trying to move his lineup around right now, 
Um, yes. If he didn't make all these drops, and I think he would have held steady with his lineup, maybe not. Um, but I guess we'll see who he adds. Because if he adds people that are under the radar and you kind of look into it and you break down the stats and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually a pretty good ad, then maybe not. But as of right now, where his team is sitting now, yes. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I thought that CMC is going to be the make it or break it factor no matter who Nick added or dropped this week. On the other hand, you, I guess you kind of make a point where he's shaking up not just his QB2, but he's also dropped all tight ends from his roster, except for Kittle, who, of course, is not going to be playing this week. Yeah. So it remains to be seen who Nick's QB2 and tight end are going to be in his starting lineup this week. And uh, his not that this is a big deal, but uh, everything is kind of a big deal once you get to the playoffs. His kicker was just put on the COVID list today and suck up as a top six kicker this year. So not nothing. Um, So you bring up a good point that because uh, the state of his lineup right now is, is kind of shaky with him throwing it in flux by dropping six different players. uh, CMC is even more important. His return is even more important to Nick's team right now. So I would agree with you there. Let's close out by getting, and I think maybe it's it's not going to be hard to guess, but officially getting your predictions on the matchups in our fantasy league this weekend. So week 14, got myself versus Nick and Scott versus Damon. Who do you have for your pick of going on to the finals from the matchup between Nick and I? I think it'll be yourself. Um, you know, earlier in in the podcast, we, we kind of talked about it, and I kind of said you're you're the favorite here. I think with all these moves with Nick that he's making right now, I think it just solidifies my my decision a little bit more than it did before. Okay, and this one's a little tougher, so I don't want you to like yeah. kind of bet safe. I just want you to go with like gun to your head right now. The trigger is being pulled. If you're wrong, who do you got for Scott and Damon's matchup? Who's going to the finals? I'm gonna go Damon. Uh, gun to my head, you know, I doubted Damon last week. Um, coming into the week, felt like I had a, I don't want to say an easy matchup, but a favorable matchup for myself. Um, and Damon has been doing pretty well the past few weeks. So, you know, I, I, I think Damon has a, has a really good chance of pulling this one out. Yeah, and I actually, I agree with your commentary on Damon's team. And I don't want this to come in any way as a slight or an underestimation of Damon's roster. I'm picking Scott to come out of this matchup because I just kind of think Scott is a team of destiny at this point. We've talked about it so many different times this year. First year in the league, second year playing fantasy football, period. Um, He's done an amazing job, and I just think he's a team of destiny to at least make it to the championship this year. It'd be quite a story. But I would not be surprised in the slightest if Damon came out of that matchup on the other side of the bracket, his team is really good. And, uh, you know, he mentioned to me at the trade deadline, my team just hasn't hit its full potential yet. I think we're kind of starting to see it. And, you know, Scott might be the next victim of Damon's team realizing its full potential. We'll have to see. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to watch both matchups this weekend, but that one I think is going to be a banger. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Go ahead and take us out this week. Eddie. Yeah. So thank you everyone for making it to episode number 10. 
we are at episode 10. It's a pretty good milestone for us here. Um, so again, thank you everyone for making it out. Uh, congratulations, everyone who moved to the next round of the playoffs and to everyone who lost, including myself. You guys had a great season. Everyone was super competitive. I really appreciate it. Um, but till next time. Eee.